Just a quick warning for you. There are plenty of F-bombs and other colorful language ahead in this episode. Not what I would call safe for work. Unless, of course, you've got your headphones handy. Definitely not a family-friendly episode. Well, unless you're like the Manson family or something, I guess. Anyway, you have been warned. Hope you enjoy. Hey, Sal. How we doing? Hey, doing good, man. Working? Yeah, I've been uh, trying to do a lot of backup on the computer and all that. Uh, yeah, uh, and then it, there's always, now there's like 10 different ways to, to chat. And nobody mm-hmm. ever Everybody wants to use a different system. So when you want to use Zoom, I'm actually relieved. It's like the one that I have. <laughs> it's, not, it's not Stream Genie or some, you know, there's, there's all these new ones now. Yeah, we used to do Skype a lot. You know, they were the first one, but I think, um, I don't know, they got bought out or something happened to Skype. I, can't, I don't know what happened to Skype, but I thought Zoom was the, was the standard, but I guess now it's not the standard anymore. Yeah, I know uh, a couple of folks are using some kind of other Steam something or another. And, StreamYard uh, is the one that screws me up. Because if it? you're not using the right operating system, it won't let you. Mm-hmm. You go to you go to launch it and it tells you you got to download it and then you got to restart your computer. It, it's a major pain in the ass. Yeah, well, so far so good on the uh, the Zoom. We've been using it for our cartoonist group here in town because uh, we normally do. Oh, it's a, great. Yeah, we it's normally great. do a monthly dinner meeting. And since yeah. we can't get together at the pizza place anymore, you know, we right. just get together on, on Zoom. No, I, I think it's great. Well, that's why I'm always relieved when I see Zoom because it comes through. You don't have a problem. Yeah. You don't have to download bullshit. And it just, you know, because there's, and now, and then also you learn, don't wait until seven o'clock to, to like set up, you know, right. give yourself 15 minutes. Otherwise when stuff doesn't work now, you're, you're the idiot who's late. And then if, you know, people want you at a certain time, they get offended that you're leaving them waiting and you mm-hmm. look like a big idiot. You yeah. Know? You like a prima donna. Welcome to Drawing Funny, where we talk tunes with some sketchy characters in the comics industry and fandom. I'm your host, Lynn Workman. Hey gang, Sal Abenanti is our guest today. If you're not familiar with his name, you may be familiar with his face. He's Alex Ross's Captain Marvel photo reference model for many of Alex's Shazam paintings and illustrations, most notably in the Kingdom Come story with writer Mark Wade, or in the oversized comic Shazam, The Power of Hope with writer Paul Dini. But Sal is much more than just the Earth's Mightiest Mortals mug. He's an artist, writer, and even an art rep for a couple of my favorite artists, Bill Senkevich, and the aforementioned Alex Ross. He's the creator of the comic series Atomica, God is Red, which is his take on a Soviet superhero god. He's also one heck of a convention storyteller, and trust me, he's got plenty of stories to tell, and has been known to work very blue on the Storytime with Uncle Sal episodes of Comic Geek Speak. If you haven't listened to the CGS podcast before, I highly recommend any and all Sal episodes. But where are your headphones? That podcast is where I first put a name and a voice with the face of Alex's Big Red Cheese. I first met Sal and many other indie comic creators through CGS. While I was up in Reading, Pennsylvania, I got him to sign my hardcover copy of Kingdom Come and my Atomica trade paperback at the CGS Super Show. 
I've run into him a few times at the ever-expanding Alex Ross art booth at the San Diego Comic-Con, which he oversees every year when there's not a pandemic. And I'll tell you right now, after seeing some of Alex's original pages in person, if Sal would have had a, uh, a surgeon on staff at the booth, I might have actually given up a kidney for one of those pages. Sal has a very funky and unique style of art, and he's been told that it doesn't fit into any house style. Unless, as he said in the interview, it's an insane asylum house style. If I had to name it, I would actually say it's closer to a funhouse style, or a haunted house style. And I would love to see Sal work on some Marvel monster books. Man, I would pay good money to see Sal on a giant-sized man-thing. Just saying. Speaking of Marvel and things, Sal recently illustrated a story in the Marvel Anthology. It's called, I'm a Revolting Development. And it was penned by Alex Ross and features Ben Grimm and the Fantastic Four. Sal is a huge Marvel and Jack Kirby fan and obsessed about drawing comics for Marvel as a kid and even as an adult. His obsession these days is his graphic novel, The Hostage. A 115 page full color original graphic novel set in Rio de Janeiro. For more than two decades, the Chi-Town native has been obsessed with telling this story inspired by a visit he made to Brazil back when he was in his early 20s. His time in Rio really made an impression on him, and that impression was kind of dark and scary and sad. He's launched a Kickstarter to bring this story to life. The Hostage Kickstarter campaign has many pledge levels, stretch goals, and incentives which include limited edition lithographs from Alex Ross, Bill Sienkiewicz, Jeffrey Allen Love, San Julian, Jeff Darrow, and Eric Powell, as well as tiers with other sketch cards, postcards, and bookmarks by Uncle Sal himself. Just go to kickstarter.com and search for Sal Abenanti and or The Hostage, or click on the link in this episode's show notes. Okay, I don't want to keep you or Sal waiting, so here's my conversation with the one and only Uncle Sal Abenanti. So, but got in and then I was like, saw you, saw you wait. And I was like, Hey, uh, cause I didn't want to get in too early and just sit here and, you know, twiddle my thumbs for half an hour, you know, but I didn't want to leave you hanging either. Cause I know you're, you're a busy man these days. Yeah. You know, Kickstarter is a lot of work, man, because you're, yeah. you're, um, I didn't know, I've never done it before, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I wasn't real comfortable with it, but I really wasn't after the money as much as I just wanted to, to be able to get the word out more effectively, more efficiently. Cause when I did Atomica, I don't know if you want to wait for the, the show or no, we're just, no, 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 we're, now. we go. Yeah, we do it now. Just, okay. Just you and me. When I did, cause the, if, when you do an indie title, the, the, the business model isn't real complicated. You put an ad in diamond in the diamond catalog and then it goes to the comic stores and then you wait for your orders and that's it. So if you put a half page or quarter page, whatever, that's your only conduit to a comic store owner is that catalog. And you just literally are helpless. You're sitting there waiting for your orders to come in. With Kickstarter, I was real jealous when I saw what Polito was doing and what Boom was doing and what uh, Jimmy Palmiotti was doing. And a lot say, of yeah, I know, I know Jimmy was using to, it. Yeah. I'm able to do this. I'm able to say, look, here it is. And then you could sample some pages and you can look at it and you could say, oh, it's not for me or oh, it is. And you could at least feel like 
you're deli- and a lot of comic fans, especially indie comic fans, because there's really you're either an indie guy or you're not. A lot of mainstream house style guys aren't into indie comics. They just, you know, it is what it is. Same with comic stores. A lot of comic stores, no offense, they don't buy them. But, you know, I, they like to feel like they're dealing with the creator directly. That's why Artist Alley is so successful if you're a, an indie creator. Because you can bullshit with them. You can talk to them. You can read their body language. You can see if, you know, they, they can flip through the book and you can tell in two seconds whether they like it or not. You can do them a sketch. You right. can chat it up with them. You can't do any of that shit now, you know, because cons are, you know. But with Kickstarter, I wasn't comfortable asking people to, you know, to, to give money because it's a, it's tough times and it's, you know, it's crazy with COVID, but I, I just wanted to get the word out. And if it didn't go well, I was like, fine. But I just wanted to at least give it as, as professional, you know, uh, a polish as I could. And it, it's, it's worked out great. I can't complain. I don't know if I would do it again right away. <laughs> Take a little time off. <laughs> Man, <laughs> because... You got to get out and you got to bang the drum and then you got to bang it some more. And then you got stretch goals. I don't know. Look, I'm working with these guys that are helping me. I I don't claim to know any of it, but you got to have stretch goals and you got to have all this, you know, which you've hit, you've hit some stretch goals. haven't you? We hit a couple. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I I don't know a a lot about what, you know, the, I mean, I'm learning a lot on Kickstarter and, but what Mm -hmm. the, the biggest thing I learned with Kickstarter is fulfillment. The first question that everybody asks you is how you getting these orders out how are you fulfilling your orders because you ain't going to get a second chance on kickstarter you know i mean they're you're done you screw up your what fan base you have and you screw them over and your book is late or it doesn't show up or you got excuses they move on man And, and fans don't forget when they get screwed over with late books and you know so even a kickstarter their first question was who's taking care of your fulfillment you know, when you get in, when's this book going to ship? Uh, how are you handling those orders? You know, and, and thankfully I got Roops Comics handles Aspen does of all, you know, Frank over at Aspen has been real helpful with me all the way through this. So I was like, thank God for Roops Comics in Ohio because he's, he's taking care of all the order fulfillment. Is it just the hardback or have you got, you, I know you're doing some uh, PDFs for people that are outside the country as well. Yeah, well, yeah I mean, I was going to do the PDF anyway, because mm-hmm. look, I, 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 some people, they would just want to check it out and maybe they don't want a hardcover or maybe they, mm-hmm. they just want to feel part of it. So PDFs are important, but I also know that comics are pretty big in Brazil. And I've been to Brazil, but not since the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that from uh, the online presence of websites and comics fan sites and omelet and different outlets, comics are pretty damn big down there. So I thought, hey, you know, it would be, it would be cool if I can offer a Portuguese version. Which truth be told, isn't that hard to do because once you have it in English, you just, you know, you hire a translator and then you just, you word it again. You just have your letterer do it now in Portuguese instead of English. So I've been checking some of the numbers and we've been doing, you know, a a pretty decent amount of Portuguese downloads. So it's cool. The idea that people actually, you know, want it in another language versus, Mm -hmm. you know, like with Atomica, everybody, the first question was, Hey, did people in Russia, you know, I tried, but there wasn't (laughs) a lot of, there aren't a lot of publishers over there, especially comic publishers. But I did do a version in Serbia, which Darkwood 
this great publisher over there was nice enough to to publish it over the, the full edition in in that country a couple of years ago and it turned out great so i'd like to do the hostage overseas but i don't know you know i, I the, the, the the brazilian publishers are not knocking my door down let me put it that way <laughs> well since you did atomica did you learn anything from it that you've applied to this uh this story you got to do you got to try to do as much of it yourself as possible no offense to freelancers because mm -hmm. you know most of the time you're going to be it's a grind man getting you know you're becoming that guy you don't want to become you become the high school principal that has to nag people you have to call them where's the pages where's the, the and all you get is bullshit excuses and we've reached the age now where we're too old for bullshit excuses just tell me the truth you right. know we don't have the pages just say i don't have the page but it holds things up it wears out your enthusiasm you know you you start out with all this you know gung-ho man and then after a couple you just they beat it out of you and so with the, with the hostage i said you know what man void of the lettering and things i'm not real ver well versed at on the computer because dave sharp is a great letterer he he did yeah. atomica and he did he did the hostage and then uh i didn't want to work with a colorist because i wanted to paint it myself and then I didn't want to, I didn't want a guest artist to do covers because I, I, with Atomica, it was, I just was trying to market it the best way I could. So if comic stores picked it up because Alex Ross was on the cover, I was cool with it because I just wanted them to give me a shake. Right. You know, if fans opened it up and didn't like it, you know, I could live with that. But, you know, if they bought Alex, if the comic store owners were the guys I was worried about. I wasn't worried about the fans because the fans are going to know in two seconds, either yes or no. But I didn't want to put a guest artist or a big name artist on the hostage because I felt that would be deceptive. You know, if you see Alex's cover and or Sinkevich, well, maybe less with Sinkevich because his style is a little different. But if I, if I put someone's style on the cover, that's more, you know, mainstream comics. And then you look at my shit, you're going to feel like you got the bait and switch. But yeah, because uh, <laughs> I've been guilty of, of buying a comic just for an Alex cover, so I could I could definitely see why you do that. Sure. And oh my God, growing up, I bought more bad comics because of great Bill Kane covers. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, definitely. Well, I know I that mean, you think you're... of all those great Gil Kane covers. You yeah. Know, in the seventh. Yeah. Well, I know you're a huge uh, Kirby fan. Yeah. And recently, you got to do a thing, a Fantastic Four story in Marvel. Yeah. How did that come about? You yourself has said you don't have a Marvel house style. Oh, I don't. I don't have any house style. You know, <laughs> I mean, uh, I I uh, I got more like a like a, a, an insane asylum house style. Uh, I I don't have a choice, man. I mean, it, it is what it. I, I that's the way that I draw. I tried to draw house style. I tried yeah. to get in the front door. I desperately wanted to draw for Marvel and DC. That was that was my my goal since I was a kid, and it just wasn't going to happen. I went to every con, I went to every portfolio line, I went up to the op, I met every editor there is, and I had every publisher, and they just didn't want it. It was a flat out. And then I finally just look. If if you want to do comics, you could do comics. You don't necessarily are going to draw Iron Man. But if you want to do a comic, especially nowadays, it's much cheaper to do a comic. You could do a book and print 50 copies. You can print 100 right. copies. You can go to a printer and do full color now, desktop publishing, 
and do and put out a comic. So if you're a comic artist and you're getting rejected by the big guys, because look, man, it's very competitive. You're up against pros that have been in the game a long time. But that doesn't mean you can't be a, be an artist, be a comic artist. It just means you're going to have to go through the side door or you're going to have to have your own party. I mean, I had yeah. to do that. That isn't what I wanted to do, but it was that or go back to the bar, you know, yeah. <laughs> become a become a plumber. And I didn't and I only knew that look, this was this was all I knew I could do, all I wanted to do. No, the Marvel story was a happy accident. I mean, Alex had that book in mind. He was picking a bunch of guys. He had another artist in mind. Didn't work out. He showed it to me. He asked me, what do I, what did I think? I said, it's great. I think it's a cool story. And he said, would you like to do it? And I said, well, I don't think Marvel's ever going to sign off on it, but they were cool about it. So, and I'm, I'm, yeah. So I wasn't, I wasn't going to argue. I wasn't going to push back too far. I thought, yeah, okay. We'll see if they print it. And I said, well, what do you want? And Alex is like, just do that, that crazy shit you do, you know? And I was like, okay. And I did it. You know, he was cool with the colors. He was cool with the scheme. And I was like, all right. And then, you know, ironically, my, my first and only job with Marvel, I've got a Liefeld cover. Which I thought, <laughs> okay. And I'll, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, I don't see any feet at all. Not one foot on this cover. I like Rob. I mean, but, he's a nice yeah. guy. I mean, it, I mean, it, it's, it's, <laughs> You know, he's a, he's a nice guy. I mean, yeah. he, he's, but look, a Marvel, a Marvel gig is a Marvel gig. I'm not going to mention a Rob Liefeld cover. I mean, it is, you know, it's fine. Not at all. Cool. Well, especially getting to draw the thing in, in Fantastic Four. And that's, I mean, it was, it's, it's really not, I mean, you've seen it. It's not indicative of my style. It's kind of a kid's story, but that's what Alex wanted. That was, that was his baby. He wrote the story and that's how he wanted it. So I was like, I'm cool with it. You tell me how you want it. And, and that's how he wanted it. And I'm like, I was like, glad to do it. I mean, the exposure was nice. It wasn't like the next day I couldn't walk down the street. Or that Marvel was, I got to get off the phone because Marvel's, you know, ringing off the hook to have me draw, you know, the Avengers. I knew that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> but hey, you know, it, 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 the coincidence of it was it came out the same month that The Hostage came out. So if it draws any eyeballs over to my indie stuff, then I'm cool with it. You know, although if you look at that story and you think, oh, Sal, I know what kind of artist Sal is. He's like a children's book artist. And then you look at my other shit, you're going to be horrified. You're going to go, oh, my God, what the hell happened between The Thing and, and The Hostage? Well, I've, I've always enjoyed uh, when you do your daily sketches. Yeah. Uh, because I just amazed at how much, you know, mixed media you actually use. And that, that comes from, like, back in your advertising days? Well, a sketch of the day came from, you know, having kids. And yeah. I couldn't always sit at the board and concentrate. Mm -hmm. And to, to, to do real fleshed out stuff or sequential stuff, storytelling, you really mm -hmm. have to concentrate. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, when the kids were little, that's impossible. It's just, it's chaos. So, uh, yeah, sketch of the day just basically harkened back to when I worked in advertising and you just used whatever. You used pens, right. you used markers, you used Copic Mark. We didn't have Copic in those days. The markers had alcohol in them. You yeah. used big pens and flares. And, and, and the good thing about the sketch of the day is they're impossible to screw up because you just basically, it's a stream of consciousness. It's a flow. You know, you pick a character and you go, you know, and if it, however it turns out, you go, they were all experiments, mm -hmm. all those sketch of the days. You know, some of them were more, okay, I'm after this. And then you want to try 
oh, I, I got a great idea from something I saw today, and then you go with that. Or, oh, man, Bill Sienkiewicz, you know, I saw this, and then I'm trying to do something. But I was, I was always a huge Bruce Tim fan. I mean, right. I don't, I think Bruce Tim, you know, in in the comics business, everybody obviously knows him from Batman Animated. But when he used to post his sketches, his marker sketches, yeah, I used to drool over it because his fleshed out ones, especially, had full backgrounds, and I could see what he was doing with the texturing and you know using different types of varnish in the back to get a bleeding effects. And, and that's the kind of crap we used to do in advertising when we had downtime. We used to just sit and, you know. So it came from that and it came from, from uh, my friend Buzz started the yeah. idea of Sketch of the Day. And we all used to do it, but then, you know, things get in the way. And, but when I have downtime, I definitely still like to do Sketch of the Day. That's great. When, when you were a kid, what was the, the character or characters that, that you were constantly drawing? Growing up, it was, you know, I was a Marvel guy, man. I was a huge Marvel guy. And that, you know, with John Buscema and Kirby, and I got into just like anything that was Marvel. And, you know, Luke Cage, I still like Luke Cage, and <laughs> oh, yeah. I, you know, the, the classic Luke Cage. And anything Kirby, New Gods, and the Demon, his stuff he did at DC, I used to like to ape a lot of that stuff. But I find I, I had a hard time aping or copying other artists because every time I tried to look, you know, it, it, it might, it came out my way, which was always a fucked up way, but Hey, you know, I mean, you have to, at some point in your life, you got to just as an artist resign yourself to who you are and say that, man, this is how I draw. When you want to get into business, you have to kind of harken back to, all right, if they're, if they're going to pay you and you got to answer to an editor, then, you know, you have to kind of, tame it down and they'll show you what they want. And when you give them, and I tried that, man. I mean, I tried to draw house style and it always came out fucked up. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I, I tried, man, or I did what I thought was house style. And then I would show it to people and they'd be like, what, you know, this, <laughs> you know, and Tim Bradstreet was the first one that pulled me aside and said, Sal, they're never going to let you draw Captain America. You must be out of your mind. You know, and I didn't want to hear it, but he was right because they definitely were not going to let me, you know, uh, in the front door. It was just no matter how, they would, you know, the old expression, everything after but is bullshit. They would say all this nice stuff, but then they would say, but we can't use you. So, you know, you could take all the nice compliments they gave you, but at the end of the day, I was still never getting hired. And then at some point I had to just go, okay, you know, you got to face the right, you know, the writing's on the wall. Well, what amazes me is like back in the day when they had uh, like Superman artists, you know, like a, yeah. you know, like a Kurt Swan or somebody, and they'd have somebody else come in and like change the faces and stuff. Yeah. And you're like, wait a minute, yeah, wait, that, yeah. this, this guy isn't, <laughs> it's not perfect. Yeah, no, I mean, look, you're talking about, look, creators always are going to get, I mean, Kirby got screwed over. So if they screw oh, yeah. over Kirby, they'll, they'll screw anybody over. And the same with Busama. I mean, Busama they were fixing and altering his silver surfer covers because Stan didn't like his surfer covers. And yet Stan went on record saying that was like his favorite run at Marvel was his Buscema run with surfer. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on of, of great artists that, you know, just they, they went in and they had to say, okay, there was a certain house style, but Kirby's a, a prime example of, yeah, they would go in and fix the faces. Wow. Well, uh, I was watching a video uh, earlier this week with, with Alex and he was talking about how Kirby, and this kind of harkens back to you, uh, uh, but Kirby was instrumental in bringing Captain Marvel, uh, Shazam, back. 
Yeah. Shazam. That, yeah. I, I had no idea. I never knew it. Yeah, he's Alex is a he's a big he's like a comic historian guy, man. Mm -hmm. He's he like he lives in the details, and he's a, mm -hmm. like me. He's a big Kirby guy. Yeah. You know, we we're really we kind of see eye to eye on Kirby. And people always ask, "Hey, who are you influenced by?" And I I'd say for me, there's just Kirby, and there's everybody else. I mean, there's right. a lot of other artists that I love, like mm -hmm. you know John Buscema and you know Gene Colan and Gil Kane and and you know and even you know Joe Kubert, mm -hmm. uh, but but not like Kirby. You know, that yeah. just, he was just, because Kirby was much more of a philosophy than an actual, like, hey, let me draw like him. He was more about, like, you know, look, this is, you, you know, your work should be a product of your imagination if you're drawing comics. And comics should be, they should be exaggerated. They should be expanded. They should always be, you know, more than real life. And so that was kind of where I was. I was not a great draftsman. I was not, mm -hmm. I used to see the way guys had those perfect ink lines and those perfect feathering and, and or, or especially when Neil Adams came into the game, he, he, you know, he was illustration level when Neil right. came in. I mean, you saw his stuff and you couldn't touch it. It was so, you know, it, it was so tight and it was so advanced in terms of uh, what a great artist he was. And then, but Sienkiewicz for me had a profound effect because Bill would, if you drew the Joker 10, 10 times, he drew the Joker different every, every time. Sometimes it would just be a row of teeth. And then the other time it would be a turd with a fly on it. And the other time it would be, you know, a rose in a, in a, in a puddle of blood. So what I, what I got from Bill was it's like, yeah, it's okay to be cerebral and not think of, you know, hey, drawing a perfect person and drawing a perfect pose every time. It, it can be part of, you know, where you're at. And that's kind of how I approached the hostage was I'm like, look, man, I'm not answering to any editors. You know, I, 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 I my style is what it is. I'm not a kid anymore. They're not knocking down my door. So if I'm going to put this book out myself, if it's going to crash and burn, let me do it my way, you know, because I can live with it. If you do it another way and it doesn't go well, you're going to look back and go, shit, why didn't I just do it my way? So with the hostage, I thought, because people are like, oh, but it's, it's strange and it's this and then it's like, not to me. I mean, that was just basically, you know, when I laid out the pages and I laid out the story, I felt it was important to, you know, to do it that way. Well, I know that uh, the story is, was kind of inspired by your vacationing down in Rio and yeah. you're seeing a lot of, yeah. yeah, just a lot of just bad stuff. I mean, a lot yeah. of uh, homelessness and, and yeah. death, but mostly with yeah. kids. L little kids, not yeah. just kids, not like, not, not, I mean, I'm talking like under the age of 10, yeah. you know, and they're everywhere. You know, thousands of them everywhere, every door, and and they're 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 living in filth, and they're sleeping in filth, and they're they have nowhere to nowhere to sleep, no place to eat, you know, no school, uh, no shoes, and, and it just wears on you. I mean, you can't unsee some things in your life. Some things you can kind of take it and for what it is and move on, and we all experience stuff like that in our life. But there are some things that you just you take with you. And I went to Rio at a real impressionable age, like when you're in your 20s and you're really full of shit in your 20s because you think you know everything. It's okay as you get older because you realize you don't know everything. But when you're young, I can't tell you anything because you know everything in your 20s. It's only later on that you realize, no, I thought I knew everything. I don't really know everything. But when I went to Rio, I thought it was going to be like, I, I was going to be like Fred Astaire. You know, I was going down there and it was going to be a big 
you know, Carnival and beaches and we were going to be, you know, and, and, and Rio is all those, are all those things are there. You know, it's a beautiful place, the food and, you know, the, the picturesque and the, the beautiful country and, and everything about it I loved. But then you turn, I lived with a family for like, you know, for a couple of months and I got to see Rio like as a person who lives there, not as a tourist, mm -hmm. because the tourist hotels are kind of like, you know, it's, it's they're like resorts and they insulate you from a lot of the, you know, the shit they don't want you to see. But when you turn corners and you do things and you go out and, you, and it's everywhere and the people that live there really can't address it on a daily basis because they just need to just kind of ignore it. But I, I was horrified by it. I was, it was, it breaks your heart. It was something that when I came back to the States, I was never the same guy. I was kind of like, it cleansed me of a lot of the young bullshit in my life. Because you think the world is a certain way. And then as you get older, you realize, no, it's not the way I perceive it. It's the way that it really is. And so when I hearken back to doing a book with art, the most important thing with an indie title or anything you do independently, whether it's music or writing or art, I feel, is always to have something that you've got some emotional leverage on. Something that you know better than anybody else. And one of your experiences. Because you're going to bring something to that that nobody else can bring. You know, you're going you're gonna to really go to town because it's yours. It's not like I handed you a script and I said, here, and you read it and you go, okay, it's a guy with a cape and he jumps out of a window. That's cool if you're getting paid. But when you're doing an indie book and it's your sweat and it's your perspiration, you're like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the story that I like, you know. And so I always felt like, man, I got to revisit that experience in Rio and I, but Atomica was something that I wanted to do because I really wanted to do American. I really wanted to do a superhero. Atomica was, was basically Thor. He was my new gods. He was me wanting to do a comic book just to say fuck you to the industry for not hiring me. So I, I didn't care. I moved, I moved heaven and earth to get that book out. And I, I went after got good, you know, great guys to do covers and I paid them and I didn't ask for favors. And so I, I really want, but then when that was done, when Atomica was done, it was, it was really only meant to be 12 issues. Uh, and my next thing I thought, man, I, I still got that Rio, that, that hostage story that I had all the way back from when I was in college that, I, that it's been, I've been carrying it with me, you know, and I still see those kids to this day in my head. I mean, you know, there's some things, like I said, you can't unsee it. So did having kids of your own kind of help push that story forward? Nah, not really. I mean, it enhanced it a little bit, sure, because when you put your kids to bed at night and you see that they got a warm place and they're, they're, you know, and it's a tough subject to grapple with daily, you know, because, you, you know, I, I wanted to do a lot of research and I and over the years I've done a lot of research and and talk to people that live there now and things like that. And it was all bad. It was all bad. It was like when I worked on Atomica and, you, and I was doing it. The more research I did on Stalin, you know, it, it was all bad. It was just, you know, there was nothing good to come out of the Soviet Union. I mean, it those in that, you know, the what they were doing to their own people and all that. But I was like, it was the Soviet Union. It was like the Nazis. I could I could parody the Soviet Union because it's over. It's done. There is no more Soviet Union. So to me, it was just it was a it was a mythical place, you know, because it was gone. But with this, I worried, look, I can't just solve all their problems and do an American superhero, you know, like mm -hmm. Ghost Rider or the Punisher and have it save the day. And then at the end of the book, every, you know, I, I solved all their problems. I, I didn't want to use this horrible situation as a narrative 
to deliver to do a comic book. I, I just felt like, man, I really want to do something that's just not another American, you know, superhero. Because right. I, I'm not the greatest at doing American superheroes. You know, I, I love them. But if I, you know, you see Sketch of the Day, if I draw Wolverine, it's not Hugh Jackman. <laughs> You know? <laughs> I, well it's not danny devito either so <laughs> if i do spider-man it looks more like you're on heroin when spider you know i mean but but it's okay i, I mean that's how i see spider-man you know i don't i don't I, i'm i'd rather not look like everybody else than look like everybody else it's right. a blessing and a curse you know mm -hmm. it, it, so you you just kind of learn to live with it and again i tell this to, to guys all the time that want to do comics it's like it's not rocket science man it's not like you're a brain surgeon that if you fuck it up, you're going to kill people. You know, you put a comic out and they're usually going to suck at first, but you'll see they get better. Right. You know, your, your writing gets better. Your art gets better, but you got to work at it. You know, I mean, it, it, art is cruel in the sense that if you don't continue to get to work at it, you're not going to get any better. Uh, if you think you're just going to, you know, if you're cool with where you're at, then something's wrong because you should always look at old work and go, oh, God. Yeah, that, that, that I'm I'm better now because as an artist you're supposed to evolve and that comes with with just you know you can't shortcut it it's it's true well and it also you know it shouldn't be a rub it shouldn't be a problem if if yeah. I have to tell you to practice if I have to tell you to draw then then forget it it's like yeah. you know I tell people this all the time being an artist is like running off and joining the circus you know the circus doesn't need you you know you need mm -hmm. the circus. The circus is going to be there, you know, and, and they don't they don't need any more, you know, clowns or acrobats. You join the circus because you have to join the circus. So it, it the same with being an artist. My, you know, my wife was my son. You know, when my son draws, she's like, well, can you teach him? I'm like, well, I can teach him to draw, but I, I can't teach him to be an artist. Right. I, I can you can teach anybody to draw. I mean, you know, the basic forms and you get a couple of great Loomis books and you, you basically you have, you have structure and you practice and, you know, terrific. Now that need to shut that voice up in your head, you know, I mean, I draw because it's the only thing that shuts the voice up in my head, which is I have to draw and I need that creative flow or you become a little stonado, you know, you, you, there's something wrong if you don't have an outlet for that creativity. It could be writing, it could be drawing, it could be something creative. You know, but if I got to tell you, hey, get back to work, then well, most artists I know, Alex, when I talk to Alex on the phone, I got about 20 minutes and then he's gone. I mean, I know I lost him. He's back working. You know, I could, he's, I'm talking, but I know he's not paying attention because I know he's working on something again. So, so because his mind, that's where his, his flow goes. He needs to get back to his creative side. Talking to me, we get it out of the way and he goes right back to it. Well, I, I know that you run the uh, the Alex Ross booth at like San Diego Comic-Con and stuff like that. And you know, everybody complains about, oh, I never see Alex there, you know, blah, blah, blah. If I could draw and paint as fast as Alex does and make the kind of money and have as many irons in the fire as he does, I'd, I'd be sitting at home too. It's, yeah, you, see, that, that it's, it's kind of unfortunate because uh, it's not about that. He loves... Mm -hmm this stuff more yeah. than anybody yeah. and the only re the only reason he doesn't do comic con is he can't take a week off mm -hmm. away from the board yeah. he's always working and he's still working and he doesn't he you know he, he rarely takes a vacation this guy because his life is he really loves doing this so when people nag me or they they get mm -hmm. they're like oh why doesn't he 
show up to cons. We do signings. We do two or three signings a year at local comic stores, and we do them at, you know, we did them when he did the museum last year, and he makes a point to do at least two or three a year now, and he signs for six or seven hours. I mean, the last signing we did, he signed for seven hours. When we did New York, you know, a couple of years yeah. ago, he signed every day. We were at Barnes & Noble. One. So sometimes it's just not enough. Now, is he going to be at Comic-Con hanging out? No. Are you going to see him at the Hyatt Bar, you know, shooting the shit, doing shots, you know? Swimming naked with Buzz? No, it's not right. going to happen. Jumping out windows and, yeah, three-finger McGillas yeah. and, and getting, you know... He just, if I ask him, hey, you want to go to San Diego? He's like, man, I gotta, I'd love to go to San Diego, but I, I, I gotta, how long? I gotta take a week off. Yeah, He's people like, don't, don't understand that. They go, well, oh, he could it. just, he could pop in and pop out. It's, it is near impossible just to pop in and out of San Diego. It's just, I, well, I told him that one year. I said, look, I noticed it's hard because it's like an airport now. It mm -hmm. used to be you could go and, you know, or even even local shows here in town, he don't he doesn't go to because he would love to go look around, shop a little bit, mm -hmm. and you know because he's, he's no bigger collector, toy collector than him. Oh, yeah. He's buy you know he you know every time I'm near to you know he's got a new stack of comics. But I try to explain to people, I go, guys, it's not what you think. He's not mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm too good for this, or oh, I don't want to do. Mm -hmm. He just he'd rather, and he's a family man. He likes right. to stay home with his family, and he doesn't want to travel you know, and, and be away from his family. So I tell guys, I go, guys, you, you got, you got it all wrong. Look mm -hmm. around. I mean, you look at the volume of work he does. You're trying to tell yeah. me this guy doesn't love comics. All you got to do is watch one video of him talking about comics and you know, the guy's passionate about it. Well, and not only that, we have, you know, we try to get everything signed before we go to the con so that if people want stuff signed, we've got, you know, signed comics, signed books, signed items of, of every price yeah. range. But, you know, a lot of it just comes down to he just likes to stay home and work and he's a family guy. It's right. not, oh, I'm too good for this. Or, you know, mm -hmm. it's, you know. Well, they think I, they think, they always say, think I'm <laughs> him anyway. So I get that a hundred times a day that I'm your biggest fan. And I'm like, great. You know, you don't know what I look like, but I'm your biggest fan. You know? Right. <laughs> and I try to tell them I'm not Alex, but they, they still argue with me and go, yes, you are. You know, you're, you know, and I'm like, okay. I've said it a thousand times. No, I'm not Alex Ross. And then they still don't believe me. Well, I've met him twice. Uh, and both times were actually in Metropolis, Illinois. Right. At, yeah. At the Superman to to celebration. Right. He, and he always go to Metropolis. Yes. I, the first year I went, I guess it was 99. And I didn't realize he was going to be a guest. Yeah. And it was him and Carrie Gamble and sure. Gerard Christopher were all there. And it was just we walked in and there's Alex sitting behind like, you know, like just a, a table. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, what is he doing here? You know, it was like, Oh my gosh. And then about three or four years later in, I think it was 2003, we were, uh, Steve rude and Steve Stanley sure. were, were there. They had like sure. a big main tent and they were doing sketches and stuff. And I looked, looked around and I couldn't find my nephew. And I'm like, he was just here. I turned around to say something to somebody and I turned back around and he's gone. He was like six, seven years old. I'm like, oh, great. I've lost my sister's kid. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so she's going to notice when we get home. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I look over and there's the, the big giant Superman statue and yeah. there's these picnic tables and there's a guy with a golden retriever looking dog sitting there. Yeah. And my nephew's over there petting the dog. And it was Alex. Sure. And he's, he's sitting there in a Superman t-shirt. And uh, I was like, oh my gosh, that's Alex yeah, Ross. Yeah, he used to go every year. Yeah. 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 But the, the dude goes, 
Alex, Alex is here. <laughs> he got up and walked over and they started dude, talking. Yeah, he talks yeah. about, he talks about himself. The dude, he refers to the himself dude. as the dude. Yeah. yeah. But it was, it was funny. It was, everybody looked at me like, great. You had to get him up and leave. Now we got to wait for our sketches. Okay. Right. Right. Like I said, he, he could have been nicer. He really couldn't. He was. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, I mean, it's a, it's almost like a common thing now at cons, you know, mm -hmm. where, where, oh, he's not here. Right. <laughs> I guess he's not here. And you're like, guys, what do you, what, what do you want me to tell you? You know, I mean, he does signings at least two or three a year, yeah. but you know, and, and, but it turns into it. it he he also feels like, look, I want to do a signing and I want to do an appearance when I've got something that we're, we're trying to get the word out for, we're trying to promote it. So when Marvelocity came out, he did uh, yeah. all that stuff. We yeah. did, he did all the bookstores. He did all the show. He did New York Comic Con, which was tough, man, because you know, trying to organize the, the, the crowd and the tickets and getting read to agree to stuff. And then, you know, people want sketches. They want them to look at portfolios. And it's just like, guys, we're trying to just get it through as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sorry, we can't do sketches. We can't do, you know, portfolios. We just wanted to get it to where we could, you know, he could, and he also likes to interact. You know, he doesn't, we don't like to do assembly line stuff. We don't like to just pull the book and go. He likes to be able to converse and say, hey, how are you? How are you doing? But, you know, when you're talking about each person taking like a minute or two, that's 60 people an hour. And mm -hmm. if you sign for three hours, do the math. That's only like a couple hundred people, barely. So he stayed way past every day, you know, six, seven hours, mm -hmm. some days. And you still get people pissed. I drove all the way from Antioch and you're like, Oh God, I, 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 he's got to go home, man. He's been here seven hours, but yet, you know, people will, yeah. will, you know, but he does the signings every year now with COVID probably not yeah. till next year, but you know, I don't think anybody's doing any signings for a while. No, no. Do, uh, do people recognize you as Captain Marvel? Regretfully. So yeah, <laughs> I, 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 you know, not as much as I did at the beginning, but it's funny. Some people want mm -hmm. me to sign their book or want mm -hmm. to take a picture and it's fine. I think it's mm -hmm. funny. It's cool. Mm -hmm. uh, Alex did an illustration recently for our, new, for our sketchbook for San Diego last year where my son played Billy. Right. I was going to ask you if, if he's gotten any. <laughs> he was, oh, he showed up like he thought he was, he was, you know, Sean Cassidy. He was ready to do the signing, my son. He was like, well, do you got any books for me to sign? I'm like, you've been in one painting and you're ready to sign books. But, you know, there were people that, you know, were, were asking him questions and he felt like he was a big shot for 15 minutes. But, uh, yeah, I still get it a little bit yeah. here and there. It's funny. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Well, I, I think a it's... couple of chins later. You know, yeah. I've had a couple of chins <laughs> Captain Marvel's days. So is it what the, the tie is to kind of help hide the chins there? Uh, yeah, well, the ties <laughs> to make me, it's, I, I tell people it's to deflect all the bullshit that I got to listen to all day. You know? yeah. Yeah. Again, with whenever I was going to San Diego, the booth just kept getting bigger and better and, yeah. you, know, you know, it needed more Teamsters. And, you know, I mean... Those Teamsters, man. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, what happened was we used to, you know, it was when we started, it was just original artwork. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was all I did. Cause we didn't have any licenses. We couldn't make posters when people would complain, Hey, I can't afford a piece of art. Why don't you sell a lithograph or a poster? Or I'm like, you have to have a license to do that. 
You know, Alex doesn't own Superman. He doesn't own Batman. Even though they're his paintings, you can't just take a character, paint it, and then make posters out of it. There's licensing issues. So when we decided to go into licensing, which, you know, is a blessing and a curse, because licensing is very, it's, it's tough. Because you got a lot of you got a lot of royalties to pay. You got to deal with printers. You got to deal with you know. There's a lot more moving parts. A lot more people to to approve and all that. Yeah. It's it's a tremendous by the time yes. There's it's more moving parts. You need more staff. You have to facilitate bigger orders. I started working with Alex on my mother's kitchen table. I mean, it was him and I. (laughs) It was the two of us. And when you went into when you go into licensing, you've got to you know you need people. You need help. You can't do it by yourself. You just can't. And so when we redid the booth and we were going to do a new booth, I didn't want Alex to look like a comic artist. I just wanted him to look like an artist. And I felt that the whole visual layout and design of of Comic-Con kept getting more chaotic. It was getting like Vegas. The the banners were getting bigger. The the logos were getting louder. Everybody was doing everything they could to get your eyeballs on their booth. And your eyes never had anywhere to rest. So that's why I said, look, I want to do kind of the Apple store mentality, which is let's create kind of an oasis or a gallery looking thing where it's calmer, you know, we get it. Boom. And Marvel and, you know, DC, I can't compete with those guys because they're corporations. So they're going to have the biggest, you know, and, and so I said, let's go the other way, you know, and let's just show the art. And I also used to have tables, you know, where we would sit behind the tables and it, I loved it because it was like the bar. I could keep away. You know, you could separate yourself from, mm-hmm. you know, people that are looking for free shit and clawing at you and throwing things at you. But then I said, no, you know, if you're going to do gallery, you're going to do people like to come up and look at the stuff. They like to be able to see it close up. They like to kind of feel that. And so I said, we need a, we need a, fr- a fan friendly booth. We needed people to be able to walk through it and, and you know, converse and with that comes, you know, you got to deal with a lot of pain in the asses. You're going to have people that are knocking stuff over and are going to make snide remarks and oh, but that, that comes with the territory. It's okay. I don't mind it, but it's overall, I would say I'm happy with the direction we went, but um, people that complained and say, Oh, we don't have items for everybody. That's bullshit because we've got items at the booth that start at like five bucks and go all the way up to original art that's, you know, but everybody, well, I can't afford original art. Well, neither can I. I mean, you know, it is what I, I followed the market when I created, when, when I started selling Alex's art. I basically went off of what everybody else was selling Alex's work for. And so, but that's why we went into licensing. You can buy a lithograph for $35, for $40, for $50. You can buy as your clay, you know, the original art, you can't afford it. Well, you know, I, I you know I wanted I, you know I want I wanted to hang out with Cindy Crawford and that didn't happen. <laughs> There's still a chance. There's still a right. chance, man. People, yeah, I wanted to, yeah I wanted I wanted to go out with you know with, with, with Stacy Stacks. They wouldn't let me. People go yeah, but I want an Alex Ross painting and I only got twenty dollars. I'm like, guys, what do you want from me? You know, uh, yeah. it's not my art. I'm not an art dealer. I don't buy it and sell it. The art belongs to Alex, and I'm you know I don't work that way. You know, I, I'm not an art dealer. I'm like Tom Hayden in The Godfather. I got one client. You know, I got one guy. Well, I got Sienkiewicz too. Got Sienkiewicz, yeah. Bill and I work the same way. It's his art. Uh, most art dealers, you know, Albert Moy and Anthony Schneider and a lot of those guys, they don't work the same way that I work. They usually buy all that art. 
and then they, they sell it, it for yeah. whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, or they work on consignment. I don't know how it, it works with all those guys, but I rep just two guys. And when, when people want something from me or they want, you know, this or that, I go, guys, it's not my art. It's Alex's. So if it's a price he's not cool with, yes, there's always room. And I tell people this all the time when they see a price, everything's negotiable. I mean, you can always say, Hey, what about, or what about this? Or what about that? Every, every art dealer should work that way. Or some do. I don't, I know all don't, but you should be able to negotiate within reason and find a happy medium, you know, because you're not going to be in business very long. If you sell a piece of art to somebody and they walk away and feel like, okay, I'm happy with the piece I got, but I got kind of ripped off. You know, you're not going to be in you know, because you, I, I want, you know, I told Alex, I go, we're not in the business to sell art. We're in the business to sell art for 20 years. So the only way to do that is to cultivate relationships. And like any successful business, I don't care if you run a restaurant or a bar or a gas station, it's about relationships. You know, it's about this. And because, you know, if you're going to buy a piece of art, my God, there's a million great art dealers, not a million, but there's a lot of great art dealers. I mean, go to comic art fans. You know, I mean, there's a lot of just so much great stuff, you know, and you don't need me. You can go anywhere. So if you walk away from my booth all pissed off that Sal ripped me off, you're not coming back. Was Flash Gordon one of the first licenses that Alex did? Yeah, well, um, no. Flash Gordon came later because uh, he did Flash. He really just did Flash Gordon because it was something he wanted to do. I know he's a huge fan of the movie. Huge yeah. fan. And then he did a, a DVD cover for them for the anniversary. And then he did a couple of Sam Jones pieces yeah. with the blessing of Sam Jones. Cause Sam's a real nice guy. Yeah. And that's, that's where I got my print from. Was yeah. It started Sam that at Comic-Con. Yeah. Sam's a, Sam's a real sweetheart. And that's the way it started. And then when Alex did the big flash Gordon piece, uh, I said, well, we should release it, but it's probably a good idea before we get a phone call because you'll get a phone call. Trust me. I mean, you don't usually get a phone call until something makes money. Then they call you and go, Hey, where's my cut? So with Alex, I said, look, let's just call King features and say, you know, Hey, what's it going to take? And, and some, some licenses are like, sure. And then other ones like the Beatles or stuff, then it's more heavy lifting. Yeah. The Beatles stuff was amazing. It's just amazing. Yeah. Um, But working with Apple is tough. I mean, work because you got to get it through the, the estates. Mm-hmm. All that stuff has to be approved by you know the different estates of the different Beatles, and that, and if one of them says no, then the whole project is dead. Yeah, so, the the Universal Monster stuff was great too. I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, Universal Monsters was was a labor of love because that was the stuff we grew up with. You mm-hmm. know, when Alex said uh, he was big on Universal Monsters, I'm like, my God, so was I. Grew up mm-hmm. with Creature Features, you know, oh, yeah. and Ghoulie. So I was just like, let's do it, man. You mm-hmm. know, and and uh, it, it turned out great. Yeah. I know like a lot of artists, they're like really great at drawing and not so good at business. And then yeah. there's other artists that are, are good at the business, may not be as, as great an artist, but they know the hustle, they know the business and sure. they're successful. Sure. How, what have you learned about you know, the, the business and what have you seen, you know, good and bad from, from some of these artists that are, that are out there? I, it's, it's kind of true what you said. Well, it's, it's a different mindset. You know, mm-hmm. there's the left side of your brain and the right side of your brain. And the right side mm-hmm. is more of the creative side. 
And the left side is the kind of business side, the, the way, how you get dressed, how you, how you drive, how you go to work every day. It's more the business side. Most creators are creative people. And you, you, that's why a lot of them get their wife or they get a, a business manager or they get somebody to help them because you need to, you know, you got, you got, you, there's only so much of your brain you can use every day. And it's almost like you got to shift gears. And, and Alex and I have always had that relationship where we shift gears and he'll shift gears and talk business a little bit. But Alex also, his wife helps him a great deal with his business now at home to kind of keep that part of it organized. And my philosophy with Alex was always, you do what you're best at, which is the creative stuff. And then I'll worry about all the, 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 the bullshit, which is dealing with clients and dealing with, you know, job offers and, and filtering that. Most artists, they, they can't do it all. And the more successful you get, you really need people to help you. But I think that a lot of artists, you know, they should just rep themselves if they can. Mm -hmm. Because but a lot of them don't because they don't want to deal with the day-to-day -day bullshit of dealing with pages and shipping and, and, yeah. and PayPal. And, and, yeah. you know, there's a lot, you know, it used to be just, you went to a con and Hey, how are you? What do you want for this page? And then, right. you know, boom, not anymore because you know, the eBay changed all that. The internet changed all that. And a lot of artists, they, it's not real scientific. They just don't want to deal with a lot of that bullshit. Right. So they yeah. either let, Someone in their family take care of it. You know, like uh, Finch has got his wife, Meredith. She's terrific. Travis Cheris has got his wife. She's terrific. Uh, Gene Colon, I would see his wife. Virginia Ramita was like that. I mean, a lot of them, it's a family business. And that's great because you can keep an eye on things that way. But it can be maddening the more you become a victim of your own success. The bigger you get, the more you've got to kind of deal with social media now and you've got website i mean when i started with alex he didn't even want to have a website he was like man that's this was you know I, this was in like you know 97 98 when we right. first started working together in 20 something years now mm -hmm. and he was not cool with the whole internet thing because it was brand new websites but i said look man this is the this is the wave this is where it's headed you know, we're, we were opening ourselves up to a lot of international buyers back then because comics are huge overseas. Yeah, because you go so, to like Luca and all those places. Yeah, well, anyway, I mean, look, in, mm -hmm. in Europe, comics are revered. Comics oh, yeah. artists are real artists when you go to France and Germany and Italy and, and mm -hmm. Asia and in Spain. I mean, look at Panini, the business they do in Europe mm -hmm. for, for mm -hmm. comics. And in comics, I mean, my God, you go to Paris, there's a comic store in every corner. Right. I mean, and there's like vending, vending machines in, in Japan. For the, the when you go to Paris, if you go into Album, which is, you know, my favorite comic store in Paris, right near Notre Dame, at any given month, they've got like a dozen, you know, Westerns comics that are their top selling comics because they love, you know, guys in capes, secondary in Europe. Comics yeah. about everything else, you know, horror and spy novels, spy, you know, Diabolic is still the big comic in Italy. Tax is a is a been in italy forever it's a it's a cowboy comic you know uh claudio via is, is one of the you know their their greatest artists there and he's drawing you know tax and and diabolic but it, it's 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 you know it's a it's turned into a big thing you know and, and it's not think unfortunately not because of the movies the movies just really haven't trickled down into print i wish it would the billions they make off the avengers i wish people would run out and buy more comics you know, I feel that way about cons too. When they brag yeah. about, oh, we have two hundred thousand people at New York Comic Con, I always, I always say, guys, 
buy a comic when you go there, man. You know, because Artist Alley, especially, it's getting smaller and mm -hmm. it's getting diluted from cosplay, from all the all the movie star assholes selling their signatures and selling their photo ops, which is great because the fans want that. But the artists are the ones that are getting pushed out. Right. So when people brag to me, oh, I went to Salt Lake or I went to I went to Mile High or I went to, to MegaCon, I'm like, yeah, buy a comic, man. You know, it doesn't even have to be a small press comic. You can just buy comics, period. When uh, Dave and Mike and I went up to uh, Reading for the Geek Speak uh, gathering, they had the, the Super Show. Uh, actually, sure. I think we, it was 300 episode first and then the Super Show. But we were... Uh, we were driving uh, away from there and we saw a comic shop and we had a bunch of packets for our comics. We had like sure. posters and stickers and buttons sure. and sample comics. Yeah. So we, we popped in there and there was a uh, movie theater across from the, the comic shop. And this was back when like Ghost Rider had just come out and some others, you know, Blade and stuff okay, like that sure. had been. Yeah, and yeah, we were yeah. we were asking the guy, you know, so ha has the movie theater, you know, these these superhero movies really helped you? And he pointed over to the shelf of all the unsold Ghost Rider merch he had. Yeah, yeah. I was like, no. It's it's you know it's if you ask most people too, the saddest thing about Black Panther is the percentage of people that love Black Panther, the movie and the, the character, don't know that it came from a comic book. I mean, that breaks my heart when I hear that. I mean, the same with Spider-Man. Most people know the origin of Spider-Man through the movie, not that it was a comic from the 60s. Mm -hmm. Iron Man, they had no clue that it's from a comic. Ant-Man, I mean, whenever these things come on TV and I point it out to my wife, she's like, really? You know, Ant-Man was, and I go, my God. But a lot of that is by design. A lot of that is, if you notice the beginning of the Marvel movies, at the beginning, you used to have the pages flipping. Remember where it showed oh, yeah. the different, it was yeah. a comic images? Yeah, flip, 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 now flip, you flip, notice flip, the images are turning to the movie images. They're, they're, they're slowly fading out the comic images to the movie images because most licenses, most, uh, you know, whether it's The Walking Dead or whether it's any of the Marvel stuff or any of the DC stuff, I don't know why there's this stigma on comics that they mm -hmm. think that it's going to tarnish the image of it. Like Chris Nolan when he did Batman, he wanted no connection with the TV stuff because he was worried that it was going to hurt the image of what he was doing with Batman, that people knew it was a comic book. You know, Walking Dead, why during The Walking Dead is there never a commercial or any reference ever to that it came from, you know, Kirkman's comic. Right. Because AMC doesn't want you to know it's from a comic because they want to own the whole identity of Walking Dead and not let you know that it came from a comic book. Because the title comic book you know, kind of gives, it harkens to the idea that there's something wrong with us, that we're all kids or that we're going to, you know, you know what I mean? It's got this stigma attached to it that Hollywood doesn't want any part of. Well, and if they do mention that it came from a comic book, it didn't come from a comic book per se. It came from right. a graphic novel. Right. Even though right. It, right. Yeah. it was like, technically I mean, it, you, it might yeah. be a trade well, paperback. If you're going to mine if you're going to mine comics for all your ideas, that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. No. I mean, I, I plenty of I stories never, out there. Yeah. I never in my lifetime, I, I told I told my wife this, you know, when we went to see Thor, the first Thor and the destroyer showed up on screen, I looked at my wife and she didn't get the reference, but I looked mm -hmm. at my wife and I said, I can die a happy man because yeah. in my life I never thought cuz he was my favorite villain as a kid him and Crusher Creel and oh, Juggernaut yeah. you know 
I never thought in a, in, in a in my most deluded fantasy when I was a kid, if you would have said, hey, Sal, they're going to make Thor and you're going to see the Destroyer in a movie. I'd go, get out of here. I mean, it was like superhero movies were considered like, you know, in the 70s, especially I grew up, you know, in the, going to the movies in the 70s and 80s. So when I saw it, I thought, okay, this is great. I'm hoping that people will, will, will finally not treat us like we're, some, we're a leper colony, that we, like, we love this stuff. And so that's why I'm, I'm very combative about it. I don't apologize for it. I, when people like, you know, want to poke fun at it or make bullshit about it, I'm like, guys, this is my thing. That <laughs> some of the most talented people in the world work in comics and our creative people in the world are involved in comics. So it's like, if you guys want to talk shit or make fun of it, I've shoot guys away at the cons who are there doing interviews and they want to pick out the wound, you know, the, the one guy who can't defend himself yeah. And ask him those same bullshit questions. Mm-hmm. You know, are you a geek? And do you live in your parents' basement? And have you ever gotten laid? I go, hey, why don't you pull me aside and ask me some of that shit? Because I can, def- I'll, I'll tell, I'll defend myself, and I'll tell you to get out of here. Or I'll kick the shit out of you. You pick this, you pick on this kid who can't defend himself. It's like, what the hell's the matter with you? Yeah. You're making folly out of us. It's like that's not cool. Get out of here. And and comics, unfortunately. I'm hoping, you know, they're around, but it's tough, man. Yeah. I mean, w- with COVID especially now, but it's going to be interesting to see what comic stores look like, you know, in yeah. two Next years from now. Well, you know? one of the uh, the comic shops here, uh, normally uh, I would be there on Wednesday nights because uh, it's about a mile or two away from where I, yeah. my day job is. And yeah. I'd stop by there, pick up my pull list. And then yeah. sit down and draw sketch covers or sketch cards, and right, right. you know, I sell them through the shop. You know, it's a consignment sure. thing, and it it helps yeah. pay for my my comics habit. Yeah, yeah. But I would sit there and yeah. draw, and people would come in and they go, "Oh, you're an artist." I go, yeah. "Yeah," and they would sit down and we'd talk about comics, and and it was it was great. Uh, so, but he's it's, he's look, mostly a, a gaming sh- shop, and so yeah, he's yeah. really had it tough because no tournaments. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's kind of, and, and as an artist, look, it's like for most of us as artists, everybody's got a reason why they started drawing. And for most of us creative people, I mean, you're an artist, you know, I mean, it saved our lives. I mean, it was, it, it was the difference of what, it was something we had when we were growing up that if we didn't have it, who knows what we might've turned to, or who knows what we might've done, but creative people, it's like, you know, you, you got to kind of recognize them that there are a lot of times they're that kid that's quiet. They're that kid that wants to be off by himself. And mm-hmm. and sometimes those are the ones that even just a little, you know, the smallest bit of, of in, you know, push or mm-hmm. interest or showing them, you know, a comic or whatever the hell it is, you know, can make the difference in it. I mean, I was fortunate in high school. I was a complete degenerate. I mean, I was an absolute, <laughs> no, yeah, big, big surprise, right? I was, I was, I've, I've heard this, I've heard the stories. <laughs> I was the worst to the worst. And yeah. I had an art teacher in, in you know, Miss Duddy, you know, senior year in high school who mm-hmm. like pushed me in that direction. She says, you, you know, you should be an artist. And I'd never heard that because I came from an old fashioned Italian family where you say you wanted to be an artist and they looked at you like, you know, you wanted to get out of work or something. You know, my mm-hmm. father used to say, you want to go draw flowers with the girls. And, and it was like, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's one of those things that it's it's important when you, you find kids that want to be artists that you just, even if you just push them a little bit, you don't have to give them instruction. You just got to kind of encourage them. Right. Because all kids really need is encouragement. Yeah, because I remember they were, I was the only person I knew 
that drew. There was nobody else yeah. in any of my my high school classes or anything. Right. Right. And uh, like fifth, sixth grade, I had a friend that read comics. But once yeah. I we moved a lot, and once I moved away from that school, well, I didn't have any any friends that that yeah. did that yeah. anymore. And it wasn't until I got out of high school and started learning how to airbrush in the malls, you know, painting t-shirts and stuff back sure. in the eighties, sure. that I had a everybody there that were artists were doing, you know, like Planet of the Apes comics, sure. and they were doing a yeah, lot of yeah, yeah. a lot of the uh, was it uh, Kamiko. And a yeah. lot of the indie stuff back then. Yeah, sure. And, or or they were self-publishing. And I was like, wait a minute, you guys, you could make your own comics? Yeah. Really? No, I mean, it's, look, there, there's a certain amount of validation that goes with artists where we're, we're that creature that has to look at the shit before we flush the toilet. That's just what <laughs> an artist is. And to a large degree, you know, we all have our, our favorites. You know, we all have what we want to do. We see ourselves as drawing Batman. We see ourselves as drawing Superman. And to a lot of people, it, it may seem like, well, I'm a failure because they won't let me draw at DC. I'm a failure because they won't let me draw at Marvel. And that's bullshit because right. we need, the comic business needs indie creators way more than they need another Wolverine. You know, way more than they need another, you know, because the successful characters of the next 20 years they're nowhere now. They're in somebody's head. They're in a notebook. They're somewhere else. So I tell guys that all the time when they're like, how do I break into comics? I'm like, just yeah. do it yourself, man. Yeah. It, you could put a book out for, for, you know, 500 bucks, 600 bucks. You can do Indiegogo. You can do Kickstarter. You can right. ask a couple of friends. You could find inkers. I mean, you could find a letterer for, you know, a hundred bucks. You can color it online. I mean, if you want to be an artist, it's mm -hmm. not going to be perfect. Right. But then again, life isn't perfect you know but as an artist if you got to be an artist then i tell guys i go guys don't let marvel and dc stop you from being a comic artist and then once you'll be amazed once you create your own gig they'll start looking for you because people like people that do are doing their own thing you know you're not sitting around waiting for a break you know because i knew a lot of good artists that first little bit of of adversity they oh, were yeah. done yeah they gave it up. I mean, yeah. you know, I bet you know five guys that were really good artists and they're doing right now they're selling storm windows or they're working at a, doing whatever because they just, the first rejection they got, they just said all oh, the hell with it. I'm not, I'm not doing this. You know? Anybody did, you know, you ask when they were a kid, you know, did you draw? You know, everybody drew as a kid. Right. It's like, how, how far did you take it? When right. did you decide to give up? Yes. You know, or when well, was it beating draw, out of you? You, everybody draws good as a kid because you don't mm -hmm. think about it so much. Mm -hmm. you, know, yeah. just, you, you get the creative flow. And then as we get older, we tend to think too much. We tend to use this side. And mm -hmm. then you, you lose the flow. You know, you right. got to just kind of draw because you love it. Mm -hmm. And then everything else will happen for you. But, you know, when you, you have to ask yourself too, like, you know, to what end? To what end am I doing this? Drawing in your notebooks is nice. Drawing in your sketchbooks is nice. I do plenty of drawing just to draw to keep your chops up. But I'm, but I'm telling you that as an indie creator, there's, there's no business that, that needs more guys than the indie comic business. And, right. but unfortunately a lot of people think of it as, Oh, it's, it's not Marvel. It's not DC. You're right. It's not, but I, I can see shit in an indie in, in artist alley and in small press that I sure as hell can't see at the Marvel booth, you know, that I sure as hell right. can't see at the DC booth. Now, are they going to always want your version of Batman? No, but 
I, there's plenty of guys out there doing cool shit that if I see it, I go, man, I don't know who this guy is, but that that's really yeah. cool. There's plenty of books I've picked up and, you know, just walking through Artist Alley or yeah, you know, I don't, have I, a table I, labor. I, you go, wow. I, I, mean, I, got I, I, I saw when I first saw Art Baltazar, I was like, yeah. I don't like kids, kids comics. I don't yeah. read kids comics. But I looked at it and I go, this doesn't look like anything else. This doesn't look like everything else I see. You know, when, when you start to see other guys that when I was, when I would start to go to other countries and I would see other artists and I never heard their names. I mean, that's what's so cool about, about Instagram and about other things. You can, you can see other artists work, you know, not everybody's your cup of tea, but when you land on a few of those guys and you start to create this, fuck you, Here's what I did today. And they send you what he did today. And then he kicks your ass. It motivates you to say, man, this is great. And then yeah. everybody, it's a community that everybody helps each other. When I right. started this Kickstarter, I'm amazed how many people, artists, you know, like you, for example, or Jimmy Palmiotti or other part, people that were Jill Thompson, people that came out and were like willing to help me because they know that, you know, when they got something, I'll help them because this is our little community where everybody wants to see everybody do well because comics are not, you know, there's not this overabundance, you know, we're not selling oil, you know, we're not Arabs in the middle East where we're walking around with robes and smoking cigars and driving Rolls Royces. You know, if you don't, the only reason you're doing this is because you love it. Right. If you're, not, if you're doing it for the dough, you're not a good businessman, you know, because there's a lot better ways to make a living than being an artist but you yeah. know you don't really have a choice when yeah. you want to be an artist yeah i've got a day job because it has the uh, health insurance you know and I, you do you what know, you yeah. got to do you know i was grateful when i started working with alex and bill mm -hmm. i mean it wasn't the rewarding the, you know it wasn't the re the job i wanted because i mm -hmm. wanted to be 100 percent a comic artist but i needed to pivot and mm -hmm. i need and i was able to stay in the game at a con but trust me, when I'm at a con doing my little dance, I'd much rather be home drawing, but I got a family. I got a right. mortgage. I've yeah. got kids. I've got, you know, I can't eat Top Ramen every day, three times a day and trail mix and, mm -hmm. and eating apple fritters for dinner like I did when I was in college. You know, <laughs> I can, but I don't want to do it anymore. You're not going to fit in that uh, Captain Marvel suit anymore. <laughs> I don't want to go to San Diego and sleep in the bathtub. I did no. that one year. You yeah. know, I mean, I, when people bitch to me, oh, you got San Diego, you know, and I'm like, guys, my first San Diego, I slept in a bathtub because there were 12 other guys in a hotel room at the Doubletree yeah. and there was no room on the floor. So I rolled up a yeah. towel and I slept in the tub. Yeah. So I went I tell, and I had $30 to last me the whole week. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, guys, I was eating pancakes every day, you know, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So I'm like, yeah. don't give me any shit about, you know, how tough you had it at San Diego. Yeah, and it was really good if the uh, the hotel had like the uh, the continental breakfast or something. Just yeah. you know, continental <laughs> breakfast, the, the trail mix, trail mix. the bowl of trail mix at the bar. I mean, if they had that, you know, I mean, I mean, and fill up I mean, when you can, man. Yeah, yeah. I only I went to the Alex invited me to the Eisners mm -hmm. because he was up for probably Kingdom Come, and and we were friends then, but we weren't working together. So he goes, Hey man, why don't you come with me to the Eisner's? And I was like, okay, but you know, and you remember, you remember Comic-Con in the nineties, that was the top of the Hyatt and that was it. There wasn't like a million hotels and a million, you know, the gas lamp was not what it is now. Mm -hmm. I went to the, to the, the Eisner's only because they had an open buffet at the Eisner's, <laughs> which was basically yeah. just cheese squares and crackers. But yeah. I, I think I ate, 
I was eating like once a day when I used to go to Comic-Con because yeah. I didn't give a shit. I was there with my portfolio and I went around to every publisher, to Top Cow and to, to you know, um, Marvel and DC and back when Vertigo was there. And I went to every single one of them and, and, and it, I failed miserably. You know, even all those, those, those Veronica, yeah. all those, 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 they wouldn't hire me. You know, wow. but it is what it is. How long did you do advertising and when did you say, all right, enough of the advertising, I'm going comics or was there, was there the bartending? Well, in no, I mean, when I got out of, I went, I went to the art Institute and then mm -hmm. I, you know, I got a job. I was, it was all timing in the eighties. Advertising was really exploding. Yeah. It was, it was heading, hitting like a Renaissance in Chicago because uh, Leo Burnett and I worked at, I worked at a, an agency, Burson Marsteller, and then I worked at Leo Burnett and they had massive accounts. They had the Miller Lite account. They had McDonald's. They had uh, Marlboro. They had all these huge accounts. And if you walked in the door, you know, and you were an artist, they hired you. And now mind you, there were sweatshops. You weren't going to make yeah. a lot of money, but you learned, you know, you were, you were cranking. You were, you learned to not think so much and just get it down. But I was miserable because I was still just like, I wasn't doing anything creative. I was just, you know, here, draw right. this, here, draw that. So, you know, I pivoted a little bit and then uh, I quit and because I was going to be an artist and then I, I couldn't get arrested. I went to every gaming company. I went to every, you know, and it just wasn't happening. And I was, I was living with somebody at the time and she was ready to throw my ass out because I didn't have any money. So I went, I started bartending again and I bartended for 12 years. You know, I was a landscaper. I was a bartender. I was a roofer. I did whatever because you got to eat. And then I went back into advertising for a little while and then it just didn't work out. And then I left and I left right at the time when I met Alex and we had some of the same friends from Leo Burnett. Alex is from advertising as well. Alex was at Leo Burnett and I yeah. was working. I, we knew a lot of the same people. We weren't in the same studio together, but we knew mm -hmm. a lot of the same people at Burnett and Burnett was a sweatshop. I mean, you were, you were, were going to get there there. And, and then I just said, you know what? I did a couple of indie books, you know, like one shots for companies never made a dime. They were horrible. And they were horrible publishers. A lot of, a lot of, remember in the nineties, a lot of guys were jumping on the whole boom of comics and they were oh, putting yeah. out a lot of shit titles, you mm. know? And I, again, same story, couldn't get arrested. And, and I started working for Alex with Alex. And then it, 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 you know, we lucked into it because of the internet and Alex was already a big name because of Marvel's, but he became, you know, Elvis Presley after Kingdom <laughs> Come. And so it, it wasn't that much of a push with Alex because people loved his stuff. The, 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 also, it was right at the time that the internet exploded with eBay. Right. People were buying art. You remember, we, you yeah. went from not having, you know, you didn't have to go to a con anymore to buy a piece of art. You can go online and buy anywhere in the world. So uh, the internet exploded for us and the business became successful enough that I could quit the bar. But even, you know, working for Alex, I knew that I had to do my own thing. So I did Atomica while I was working for Alex. Do you remember what your first art piece was that you bought? Yeah, I do. For yourself. I do. I absolutely mm -hmm. do. I bought a, uh, I bought a Black Panther, a Jack Kirby Black Panther page. Black Panther's not on it. 
and it's a, it's of the mon it's of the monster rising up with his hand, and I think I paid one hundred and thirty dollars for it. Wow! Back back on eBay, and if yeah. the if this if my house caught fire, that would be the one piece that I would grab as I went out the door because when I got it, I was like literally so excited that I it was the first piece of art that I ever owned. You know that I was just like I was shaking. I was so excited, and I could mm -hmm. see Kirby his lack of blue line he didn't use blue line and you can yeah. see his pencil line and his notes on the side and everybody's like oh but you gotta have a fantastic four and i was like guys it was kirby i didn't give a shit <laughs> what character it was i didn't yeah. care it, you know it wasn't a pivotal point it wasn't this it wasn't that and then i just little by little would buy because you remember back back in the 90s you could buy a kirby page for 100 bucks you could buy mm -hmm. Conan pages from Ernie Chan for $20. You know, it wasn't, oh, yeah. the internet changed the landscape, you know, yeah. to where now there was way more competition to, to buy it than there was before. Right. Yeah, I, mean, exactly. I remember the art dealers at cons before. Oh, yeah. They did have it in Tupperware bins, you know, stacked or thrown on a table with the prices on the back written in pencil. I mean, it was literally just thrown. It was production art that was like other you know, going to garbage. Right. Now all of a sudden, you know, people wanted it. And then, you know, the value went up, the value yeah. went crazy. And the more that people go digital, the less you're going to see of it too. So it's the more well, rare no, but it becomes. You also had guys like us that came of age and mm -hmm. had jobs. And, and this was, you know, we want to like create, pieces of our youth we like to yeah. be we, we like to be reminded at times in our life when things weren't so complicated we like to have that around one of the first things i bought when i got a studio was i went and tracked down all the kirby black light posters that i had when i was a kid mm -hmm. on ebay you know and i paid a, i don't know a couple hundred bucks a piece it was no big deal and then the iron man one with gene colin where iron man's pushing yeah. and with the cap one and the doc doom piece by Kirby and I framed those and I put them in my office because that's what I had in my room when I was a kid where those black light posters you know those great curb the one of Medusa and the one of Black Bolt you know and it's like to this day those are the ones that when I see it it reminds me of like I got into this shit because I like it you know right. I, I, I didn't I, I got into it because it's in your blood you know you don't really have much choice you know I mean that's why when I hear artists complain or bitch about, oh, I did a sketch for a guy and he sold it on eBay. It's like, you know what, man, whatever. I'm an artist. If people ask me for a sketch, I'm like, sure. I don't even think twice about it because as an artist, you should be grateful that people actually give a shit enough to ask you for a sketch because, you know, would people argue about that? I, I see their point exactly. But me personally, if I'm somewhere and I'm sitting and they ask me for a sketch or they ask me for whatever, I'm like, sure. I, I'm, it's my privilege to do it because as an artist, what else am I going to do? I'm a fucking vampire. You know, I don't, I don't know. You see my work. You know, where am I going? You could, you could draw vampires. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not, maybe the next book, yeah. you know, I'll draw little kid vampires or something, you know, I'll do something with Art Baltazar. There you go. Yeah. Well, man, it's Uncle Sal. It has been awesome talking to you. I'll let you get get going. Um, but I know that your uh, your Kickstarter ends yeah. February twenty fifth. Yeah, we got a couple more weeks, but it's doing. I'm grateful, man. It's doing really well. It's the hostage. It's on Kickstarter, and we got a lot of uh, cool stuff. We got you know uh, a piece by Alex, mm -hmm. and we got a great Sinkevich piece. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the stretch goal stuff mm -hmm. is, is, you know, uh, card set and lithograph sets and things like that. 
we're, we're, we've already hit a couple of them. We got an Alex Ross piece that, you know, if you donate, if you support even a dollar, now you get the Alex Ross card. I'd buy that for a dollar. Because it's important. And to me, if people donate a dollar or they donate whatever, I'm cool with it. I don't see it as donating. I see it as the support that I'm getting for this. I'm cool with it. I thank everybody. You, you support me with a, with a buck and I'm like, I'm over the moon. Because it's like, if that's what you, you want to give, I'm, I'm sweet with it. And Jeff Darrow did a great piece, you know, and San Julian. I don't know yeah. if you're familiar with an artist called Jeffrey. Jeffrey Allen Love is his name. And you as an artist, if you've never heard of him, I, would de I definitely would okay. Google him. His name is definitely. Jeffrey Allen Love. And he's just tremendous. He does, uh, it's, a, I, I can't, it's a very eclectic style. It's very iconic black and white style. And he did a, a hostage piece for me, which is one of my favorite. And oh, Eric was, Powell, it, was, was that the one with the uh, the statue on top? Yeah, and the yeah, kid, the black and white. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, him. That. But he's a tremendous artist. So if you you're not familiar with his work, Google it, and you'll see. Okay. The, the and he's starting to do mainstream stuff now. Like I've seen him do a Batman and Wolverine, mm -hmm. and in that style. Yeah. And I'm like, I got him doing an Atomica piece for me now because I just love what he does. Um, and Eric Paul from the Goon. Yeah. We've I saw that one today. Yep. Yeah, Eric's. He, we go all the way back to Atomica. He's such a nice guy. He, he, you know, did something. And then I got San Julian. San Julian's always been one of my favorite. He's the Spanish painter, uh, the legend. And he's kind of retired, but he still does commissions. So he was one of the first guys I wanted to do a hostage piece. So look, I want it to right. be about my work, but the reality of it is whatever brings people to, to just check it out. If they're in it for the Alex Ross card or the Jeff Darrow or the Sienkiewicz, that's okay. I, I live in the real world. You know, I know my stuff's yeah. not for everybody. It's kind of like a shrimp cocktail, the 99 shrimp cocktail at the, at the casinos. You know, <laughs> remember when they give you 99 shrimp cocktails? And they would put it all the way in the back of the casino because they would get you to walk through the casino yeah. to get the 99 cent shrimp cocktail. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. if, so if I got to use Alex as the shrimp cocktail to get you to come in to see the yeah. hostage, I'm cool with it. Okay. I worked retail. I, I know how that works. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, when, when, you know, and then, you know, some people want to help. So you're yeah. like, sure, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. my God, what am I going to say? You know, I want to mm -hmm. help. And if and they ever need my help, sure. But it's great. I mean, I, I, I'm over the moon. With Atomic, I learned it's like, man, get, get other people involved to help you because you, it's cool to see your character in other interpretations of your character it brings kind of a, a depth to the, the subject matter yeah yeah we, we were doing our comic uh we'd, we'd have people just give us you know sketches and stuff like that or yeah. i would trade sketches with somebody else yeah, yeah, yeah. and and they'd be like oh hey i'll do one of your characters I'm like all right cool i'll do one of yours that's, and it was that's all that's it's kind of a lot of yeah I'm, I'm a big fan of that where you just trade you know, or, you know, you do one for me and then I'll do one for you. Yeah. You know, that, 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 uh, you know, some artists with Atomica, I learned to pay people. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, no, no, people would say, hey, how'd you get such and such? And I'm like, I paid them, you know, because Bisley and, you know, yeah. and they're never going to say no. They're going to give you some bullshit excuse. They're going to go, oh, man, I'd love to help you. But my wife just had a baby and I hurt my hand. I was in, and that's bullshit. That means I want to get paid. So you just ask them their rate and then you cut through the bullshit right away. And right. then you go, okay. And then you, you agree. And then you just come to it. You know, mm -hmm. you come to an agreement on a deadline and you only give them half. 
But the English artists, you want to get an English artist, hit him around tax time, hit him in March. <laughs> and that's how I got Bisley. And that's how I got yeah. Glenn Fabry was when their tax bill comes due. Yeah. They're like, hey, hey, you got another comic a cover? You know, I need, you need another one? Yeah. And I'm like, that's why Glenn did three, you know, because yeah. he's like, yeah, you need another one? I was like, yeah, sure, you know, because yeah. I loved Preacher. So, you know, what was I going to say? No. That's great. With Atomica, did uh, I know you did like some trade paperbacks. Did you ever do like a hardcover art book? No, that's that's the plan. That's, I don't okay, want cool. I don't want to reveal too much, but yeah, no. Oh, I right. mean, it's not, well, come on, it's not Al Qaeda. It's not <laughs> a big you know. I love when people go. I can't talk about it. You know, I got a Wolverine project, but if I tell you, oh God, I, guys. It's comics, for God's sakes. You yeah. know, you're, it's not military secrets. You know, you're not going to blow up the Pentagon if I tell you about Atomica. So, uh, um, yes, I would, okay. I'm definitely going to release well, it as it. The, the, the unfortunate part about Atomica was the, the last half of it came out very sporadically because mm -hmm. the orders were just not right. what they were anymore. And part of that was my fault because it became out irregular. The first trade did really well, it sold out. Then I did a second trade. And it did okay, you know, but I never did them as a complete set. So a lot of people have complained to me, yeah, the second half kind of fell off. I can't find this issue. I can't find that issue. So when we did the full omnibus version overseas, uh, it, it turned out like tremendous. I couldn't believe what a great job they did, you know, the binding of it and everything. So when the hostage came out, the, the, guy who did it for me this this my god my his name slips me and i feel bad because he's such a great guy he put together the atomica uh omnibus he's like hey i got the english version you want your files and i was like my god i completely yeah. forgot about atomica and he's like yeah i got the files for the first 12 issues in english in in omnibus form so i'm like yeah so i'm I, originally i was gonna do it but you know when you when you're gonna do an omnibus, if you're if you're not gonna order ten thousand copies, they're like twenty bucks a piece, printing cost. You know, right. so if you don't you know you don't know you're gonna sell them, there's ten pallets of books sitting in your living yeah. room. Going, what the hell am I gonna do it? But now you know with you know with Kickstarter, with Diamond, with different things, I can actually kind of get a vibe of like, okay, are people really interested in this enough to do an omnibus version? And I'm going to do an omnibus version because there's, there's a few other people that my dream is, I always wanted David Finch to do an Atomica piece. I always wanted a few other artists to do Atomica pieces that I never got. So I'm going to try to add some new stuff to it. You know, I'm going right. to try to add new guys to contribute to it. But also there's a lot of people that A, have never heard of the book or B, never really got to see it all together. You know, mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm excited to do that. I'm excited to, to release it probably at the end of the summer. Because cool. with Kickstarter, you can't, you know, I can't call you tomorrow and go, hey, I got another Kickstarter. <laughs> you know, you got to get all your orders done. You got to be yeah. sure the hostages, you know, and I'm working on, you know, more stuff for the hostage now. Hopefully, yeah. you know, it'll work out. But yeah. um, it's still my couple, baby. You know, I know a couple of folks that are doing the, the Kickstarters and they, they said, you know, just rounding up all of the incentives and getting everything packaged and, and mailed and it's just and they'll show you you know their garage has got like pallets yeah. of oh, stuff yeah. that they're waiting for the and, and post let me office. and let me tell you something you know a lot of people have been burned with kickstarter and this is why kickstarter doesn't play games anymore if you they're like paypal or they're like ebay if you screw around they'll shut you down i mean they'll literally shut you down and they've got all your banking information to protect 
the people that are supporting you. So you can't screw over your supporters. You're the one that gets hit. So they take, you know, implementate, you know, getting, taking care of those orders and making sure all your fans are, and supporters are taken care of. Like if it's, you tell them you're going to deliver something in March, man, you better have a plan to deliver it in March. They don't want to hear your bullshit. You know, they don't want to hear, Oh guys, you know what happened? You know, you can do that, but the next time you come around, all your supporters are gone. You know, you, yeah. you burn bridges, man. And there's nothing harder to get back than an indie people than once you screw them over, you know, with late books. And people don't give a shit about your problems. <laughs> you know? really don't move on to another book. <laughs> you know, they don't care. Guys that draw fucked up like me growing trees, they, they'll find somebody else, yeah. you know. Well, we had a problem with, uh, we were going quarterly. And a lot of, uh, and we, we shipped on time or even like one time a week early. Yeah. And we still had fans and uh, retailers thinking we were late because we weren't going monthly. Yeah. Even yeah. though in all the solicitations, yeah, you know, everything said quarterly yeah. and it just, it, it hurt. Yeah. That, you know? That's probably the best piece of advice I could give anybody who does small press is get the whole thing done. Yes. I mean, everything. Yes. Every ink, every color, every letter before you even open your mouth. Because the worst thing that happened to me with Atomica was I was only halfway done with Atomica when I launched it. And I thought I had a six-month window. Mm -hmm. And then you forget that you're going to eat up a lot of your time promoting it. Going to cons, going to mm -hmm. comic stores. You know, Talking to Yahoo's you. on this Zoom thing. Oh, yeah. no, no. And, that, and, and you can't have a successful book without promoting it. You know, yes. it's like it's comic book business. A lot of people don't mm -hmm. see the business side. And then I chewed up so much time that I wasn't drawing that it caught up to me. And now I was racing to get the second half out. And then you lose your momentum. Yeah. People want the next month and it's not there. And then once you lose the momentum, they're on to the next thing, yeah. Yeah, finished yeah. the whole damn but So the hostage, I didn't even tell anybody about it till I was 100% done. And then I showed it to Alex and said, hey, what do you think? And then he kind of gave me some feedback. And then I showed it to Bill, and he gave me some feedback. But I knew I didn't want to be another one of those guys talking about my indie book that never, right. never done, you mm -hmm. know, because a lot of times replacing it with your mouth and in our head takes the place of actually doing it finish it all man you know even even like if you think ah, oh, i'm okay i work fast shit happens man you know shit always happens <laughs> to lose your job i hurt myself shoveling snow the other day oh, no. i mean you know i mean there's always some bullshit that happens yeah well, i remember i three years ago i had like open heart surgery right yeah and okay. so I, I thought all right well i'm gonna be off for like a month right I couldn't sit for like more than five or 10 minutes without it hurting, you know? Right. And you're just like, Oh my God. And so and it's you like, think, you think people care? No. You, right. Yeah. You, you could tell people that and you think they would cut you some slack. Mm -hmm. No yeah. way. I mean, no way. I mean, Atomica, I mean, I spent, I was breaking my ass. I did every con you could do. I did Calgary. I did. I went up to, I was doing all these shows on my own dime because it was so important to me. Forget the word out. And then it caught up to me. By the yeah. time I got to the Michael Turner, you know, number four, and then I got to number six, I was so far behind, man. You're like, you know, you, you and now you're still, you got to put the ad in and you got to pay diamond and comic uh -huh. stores are saying, Hey, what the F and you're, you see your numbers start to go down because uh -huh. they're canceling their orders and they're returning them. And, and then 
it's nobody's fault but your own because you yeah. you gotta you gotta plan for that. Well, I'll tell you, man, the hostage looks fantastic. I love it. Thank you. Thank um, you I've, I, all the stuff I've seen online, um, and not just the Alex stuff, but your stuff. No, it's okay. You've actually, Bill, they love Bill's piece <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah, but your and stuff. They love Jeff Darrow's piece too. So your, the the way you use color is is just amazing. I, I like I said, it's, well, even when if I'm not reading the story, I'm just like looking at the colors. And I always, like I said, always got excited when I saw that you had another, you know, sketch of the day. So. Yeah, no, I, I'll still post those. I still do okay. sketches. And I, oh, but cool. I'm worried that, you know, uh, I'm changing gears too much, you know, going from a mm-hmm. sketch to a, you know, but it, it you know, it, the most important thing is to keep working. Yeah. Just like you keep working, man. Keep, keep, working, keep man. doing it. You know, and, and then what I, what I learned, the, the greatest lesson I learned on, on, on the hostage was from Sinkavich was always surprise yourself. Always try to surprise yourself with your work, wherever you're headed, whatever you're drawing, whatever you're going to do, try to do something else. Try to surprise mm-hmm. where you're headed with that. Try And that's where my color, mm-hmm. you know, kind of template came from with the hostage was I always mm-hmm. kept thinking like that of, let me push it. Let me yeah. push it more. Let me push try it this. real good. They're not always going to work out. You're yeah. going to get some that you're like, oh, what the hell was I should have, I should have left it alone. It was a great piece about an hour ago, Go. yeah. you know, <laughs> now, yeah. but don't be afraid to use markers, pens, mm-hmm. Copic markers. Don't be mm-hmm. afraid to use Sharpies. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I use highlighters that I got at, right. at, at Jewel, you mm-hmm. know, in, in, in the stationary department, you know, the yellow oh, yeah. highlighters, the yeah. orange highlighters. Yeah. I mean, there's just tools, man, you know, use it all, you know, don't be, don't think you've got to do it a certain way. I mean, if you're a great draftsman and you're perfect, then I'll leave you alone. That ain't me. You know, to me, it's just kind of like, don't ask me what's in the hot dog, you know, but but I love fucking hot dogs. So, you know, I just use whatever I can and put it in a hot dog. Sometimes you have to, I've, I've done, like I said, sketch cards, sketch covers, and you never know what the cover stock's going to be like and how the markers are going to react or you're like, yeah, All right. you know, you know, what'll help you a little bit when you get a stock that's kind of, you know, giving you a hard time, mm-hmm. you know, rub, rub your fingers on it, get to get, yeah. get the, the, the oil from your fingertips to mm-hmm. kind of raw it I've, out. I've seen you. people do that before they sign. Yeah. It'll bite. It'll, the stuff will bite. You know, okay. when you do that, when you add it, that's, what's great about using Sharpies, get sharp. I've got like Sharpies. I've got like 40 different, they sell them in like 40 different colors mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And then don't be afraid to use Sharpies, you know, lay it out with a pencil and then, and then Sharpies, they eat anything, man. You can put mm-hmm. that on any kind of paper, yeah. you know, and same with sketch cards. You know, that's mm-hmm. what, what's great about markers. Don't be afraid to go in with the, the lightest colors first mm-hmm. and then add your, you know, you, you know, go in. There's a lot you can you can look from and, and steal from everybody. You know, look at what Bruce Tim is doing. Look at what Sinkevich yeah. is doing. Look mm-hmm. at what you know Alex is doing. Look, guys who you like, see what they're doing, and then just go. It's yeah, okay, I, I get it. You know, I mean, there's a lot yeah. of great artists out there that are using just markers. They're using you know just watercolor. That are using any kind of pen. Those guys that are using Wacom tablets. God bless yeah. them. I'm not a Wacom yeah. tablet guy. Because mm-hmm. I just don't want to relearn everything again. I'm not great with the software. My son uses a Wacom tech. God bless him. I, I, I'm too old to relearn all that shit to where I'm going to start over and get a Wacom tablet and go, wait, what is What? How do I, you know? I mean, I've seen Bill just, you know what else? You know what else is, is a great tool? Our, 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 um, our whiteout markers. Yes. You know, uh, yeah. you know, like, you know, fix it pens, those mm-hmm. white fix it pens that yeah. you shake, you know, it's got the little ball bearing in there. Mm-hmm. You know, those are great for like, you know, fading out backgrounds 
or fading out lines. And then you go over it again and it gives you a different texture. Yeah. You know, Bill, I've seen him finish entire pieces and then go over it with a whiteout pen. And you're like, my God, you know, yeah. so you know, don't be afraid <laughs> to fool around with a whiteout pen, you know, uh, you know, don't, get yourself a, and if you're going to use watercolors, yeah. don't buy the shit that's on sale, you know, use good I've, gouache. You, yeah, I mean, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, that's I what mean, I've heard. Sometimes it sucks because you'll go in and you'll go, they want how much? You know, a good set will cost you a couple hundred dollars, but I'm telling you, you'll notice the difference, you know, right away. The shit right. they sell at Blick a lot of times is the stuff they want college kids to buy because they're on a, you know, they're on a budget. And I used to buy whatever was cheap, but then I got a good set and I was like, man, it makes a huge difference, you know. And don't be afraid. I mean, I've seen Bill finish a piece and throw coffee on it. <laughs> Use the coffee ring. <laughs> yeah, no, and it, you know, and it looks and, gorgeous. You know, and, and smear it. There's absolutely no right way to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no. It, it's just. It's all. Everybody's different. You know, don't be afraid to go mm -hmm. in and go. Eh, it, it's not doing it for mm -hmm. me. You know, I like yeah. it, but it's not kicking me in the ass. And if it's a sketch of the day, well, you know, why not? You know, just just sure. have at it. You know. Yeah, experiment and, and play experiment you know i mean in everywhere every store every stationary store you go into every art store you go into walk around and just look for you know shit you can add the toothbrush is mm -hmm. another great way you know yeah. to dip the toothbrush and you know use mm -hmm. old ones use it closer use it further yeah. away you know masking shit off to get splatter effects i mean there's a million you know that yeah. you know nothing's new under the sun everybody does this but when you add your style to those 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 techniques it doesn't look like everybody else yeah well, I saw Jim Lee doing like he tore tissue and was using yeah. the the Copic uh, refills and was like dipping it and then like doing little little you know little dip 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 yeah. and he had this incredible really cool background behind this Joker thing and yeah. it's like I would have never yeah, guessed that's no. how he did it. There's there's yeah there's a lot of that. I mean, look mm -hmm. online. You know, I mean, there's a lot of guys now that that show their process. You know, some are better than others, and some are mm -hmm. going to be like, yeah, it's not my cup of tea. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you, you're, you're always got to keep evolving. You know, you've always got to keep trying to, 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 what can I do today? What can I, you know, and you're not stealing, you know, everybody, they've been, it's, we're learning the same techniques that go all the way back to the Greeks for Christ's sake. So it's right. nothing new. There's really very, you know, but you, your style is different than everybody else's. That's the difference. But if you're not willing to get in there and, and, and improve, then, you know, in 10 years, if your art still looks the same, then you got nobody to blame but yourself. And I've seen you know, so many people guys, worry, worry about oh, style. Guys, and it's like, if style will come. You got to draw, draw, draw. But you got, what you also, you can't be afraid to be yourself. Yeah. Don't, don't try to be Jim Lee because mm -hmm. why the fuck are they going to buy you when they're going to just buy Jim right. Lee? Yeah, you it'll know? come. But, you know, don't be afraid to try new things. I mean, don't be afraid to experiment. I treat, I treat every sketch of the day as an experiment. I'm just experimenting. I'm just, let me see what happens. Let me see what, mm -hmm. you know. And some of them are like, great, but let me show you the pile of the ones that didn't turn out so great. I mean, mm -hmm. they're ones you're like, oh my God. You know, I keep a box of like the fuck ups. You know, or, <laughs> or try working on, try working on stuff yeah. that you really, really like and you really are impressed with yourself and you think, my God, I really nailed this one. And then go over to Alex's studio and see what he's working on. <laughs> I, 
I, I or think watch what Bill watch what Bill posts every day when he does, man, when he does the his, memorial piece. His memorial you know, pieces I mean, are amazing. Yeah, he does those. He does those. He, oh. he gives himself two hours to do those. He gives himself two three hours to do those memorial pieces, oh. and it, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Every time you 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 think, man, I you know, and you look, you go, okay, I'm not him, and I'm not like you know, mm -hmm. but fuck. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what happens when I go by Alex's house. When you see that they're still working to get better, they're they're yeah. not content. Mm -hmm. Then you go, okay, I, mm -hmm. I get it. You know, yeah. it's 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 a it's a constant evolution. I mean, in Asia, artists believe you don't really hit your stride as an artist until you're like in your seventies. You know, they believe that it's a, you know, it's a, a constant, you know, process your whole life to get better as an artist. To never go, oh yeah, okay, you know. What the fuck are you going to teach me? Unfortunately, some guys, Kirby, he didn't burn out as much as he, he his hand got fucked up late in his, yeah. in his life. So that's why you see some of the stuff he did later on, superpowers and some of the things he did at DC. We're not as great as his other stuff, but he was also, like I said, his health really started to go. Uh, John, some artists also burn out. John Buscema, you could tell at the end of his career, he was done. You know, even before he was sick, you could tell he was he was burnt out because this is a guy who was doing seven pages a day his whole fucking life. So, I mean, his whole yeah. career at Marvel. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. you, you can burn out, you know, doing it too much. Another thing, too, with like with guys like you're talking about going to see what they're doing, you've got to decide with yourself. It's like, all right, am I never going to be that good? And am I going to stop or am I going to just keep going? I've seen so many people that'll see somebody else and go, I, I could never do that. I, no, 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 I, you yeah, no. I know, I, know what you're I know what you're talking about. I you see other keep going. guys. I see other guys, and trust me, you can you can do what they do. You can get what they get, but you got to work at it. You know, and even Adam if you don't Bruce, get what they get, you get what you get. You get exactly. But, but don't ever look at anybody else and get discouraged. Just look yeah. at just look at them and get inspired. You know, Adam Hughes so didn't get that way wasn't born that way. He worked very hard and he is crap. Alex, I could show you drawings of his when he was in college and they're not what they are now. So, but mm -hmm. he worked his ass off mm -hmm. constantly. Yeah. Sinkevich, if you look at what he was doing at Moon Knight, which is, I still think is great, even though Bill, you know, may or may disagree. And then, you know, he really wasn't catching his stride until my God. And then you think he caught his stride and then he did Electra and then he kept going yeah. and he did New Mutants and, you know, so it's an evolution as an artist. But if you just say, oh, fuck it, or you see it like it's a competition, it's not. Yeah, no. a it might be a little bit of a race where, you know, you want to get there. You want to keep up with these guys. But that's why I tell people, put out a comic yourself, because you'll learn so much by putting out a comic because of the work that's involved, because of the focus that's involved, and because of the fuck you uh, to the business and, and, and staying true to what you really want to do, which is to be a comic artist. All right. Well, if people want to be inspired by your art, uh, I know they can follow you on Instagram at uh, Mercury Comics, yeah. right? And also on Twitter at uh, comics underscore Mercury. Is that correct? Yeah, or just Sal Abenanti. Sal you know, I mean, I'm on, yeah. I got my own, you know, on there. But okay. yeah, and on, and on Kickstarter, just you know the hostage if they you right. type in the hostage and search and kickstarter but i've got like links everywhere my god yeah. i got a link on, on my right ass cheek about where how to get the, <laughs> to my kickstarter page got your oh. stamp little trap stamp back there I got, yeah well uh, I, 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 i'm too much of an asshole to be a tramp i was a tramp like 30 years ago i don't know what i am now you know. too old to be a tramp well know? fantastic well i'll, I'll put all the uh, the links in the show notes 
and uh, yeah, I, and, and send me send me you know the link so I can I can yeah. you know I can post it and I can you know tweet it and do all that good stuff. All right, man. I appreciate it. And again, it, thanks for hostage, having me. I, hostage looks fantastic. Thank and, you. Uh, and, and thanks for having me on. I appreciate yeah. it. Anytime, man. And it's, if somebody does follow you, share that, you know, share those links, you know, retweet doesn't cost you anything. Yeah. Show the love. Thanks again, uncle Sal. All right, man. Thank you. Take care, man. podcast. You can find out more about the Mid-South Cartoonists Association at midsouthcartoonists.org and on the MSCA Facebook page. Be sure to like that page and follow our group on Twitter at MSCA underscore Memphis and on Instagram at midsouthcartoonists. You can keep up with this show at any of those or on the show site drawingfunny.com as well as on Twitter at drawingfunny1 Drawing Funny with the number one, or Instagram at Drawing Funny Pod. Links and other info can be found in the show notes of each episode at drawingfunny.com. Shameless plug for me, I have my Lynn Workman, that's L I N Workman.com art site, and my geek travel blog and webcomic, HaveGeekWillTravel.com. My social media info and bio are on all those sites, along with several examples of my artwork. Thanks for listening. I hope to talk tunes with you all again real soon. Until then, stay tuned and keep drawing funny. Been in the comic business for a long time, but I wanted to go in the front door as an artist. I wanted to draw, you know, Luke Cage and and uh, new gods but that just wasn't going to happen and at some point as an artist you have to realize look there's there's a way you're going to do it there's a voice you have that you want to tell a story and that's a blessing and a curse with kickstarter now i have something that i can create and i can just give it to you and say look here it is the hostage is a 115 page graphic novel it's complete it's in the can it's lettered it's in production now it's ready to go I'm here on Kickstarter asking for your support, and I guarantee it's, uh, it's unlike anything you've seen before.